Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and you're listening to the Lakeside Church Weekly Message Podcast. This is where we broadcast our Sunday morning teaching, so if you missed it or want to hear it again, you're in the right place. Every week we try to teach God's Word in a way that is real so that it becomes alive to you as you hear it. If this message speaks to you in any way, let us know by clicking on our website's contact page at lakesidelife.org where you can find out more about the church, watch some videos, and even give online. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Okay, so Genesis 17, session 9. This is where Abraham, uh, Abram gets a new name, Abraham. And uh, you know what, guys? This... Um, is a really great message, um, I think, for a lot of us here today. And uh, I'm, uh, I, recently I was trying to write a book, and I realized when you write something, you want to make sure, like all of a sudden, you're, when, when you get ready to publish it, all of a sudden, you want to make sure that your audience really knows what you're coming from. And so you have to write a foreword. But then you realize that the foreword didn't really do it justice, and so you need to add an introduction as well. And then I realized that that didn't do it either, so I put another section. Before you read this book, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like I had to like, before I ever said anything, I had to get some things off my chest so everybody knew where I was coming from. And so if you bear with me, I'm just going to do that uh, initially here. Um, I'm, I'm going to do like three different introductions in the next couple minutes. Uh, uh, they're just kind of little tidbits, some housekeeping uh, to take care of. Um, the first thing is... Um, the idea of this, that uh, uh, I don't know if anybody is going to take anything that we talk about today, have a different perspective than I do. But if you do, I hope, you know, hopefully you, if you've been coming here long enough, you know that's totally okay. And it's not uncommon. <laughs> and uh, so I hope that um, you'll um, talk to me after the service. Um, I don't have life group today. I've moved my life group to Wednesday night this week. And that means I won't be in a rush after service. I'd love to talk with anybody about it um, um, because... Um, uh, there's some stuff in here that uh, maybe we might have a different perspective that we feel is geopolitical in nature um, because of what we're talking about today with Abraham. Abram. And uh, normally when I teach on a subject like this that could potentially be their difference of opinion, I tend to teach it with an a- attitude of humility um, and, and almost like, well, it could be this, and it could be that, and things like that. And I think that that's totally appropriate, and I think I need to be humble this morning. But at the same time, in order to generate some really vigorous discussion, um, I, I would like to try to just teach this, you know, and just firmly, this is what I believe, my current understanding of the Bible. So um, if I sound very, I'm going to use the word dogmatic uh, about what I'm saying, um, it's, it's just what I, what I personally believe based on my study. I'll try to show you where that is in the Bible. And if you disagree with me, um, let's talk about it after. Um, but uh, here's, here's what I'm really saying. I'm basically going to be playing devil's advocate a bit today but I don't want to literally be the devil's advocate, okay? I don't want to be a, a, a stumbling block for anybody. And so um, please let me know of that. And um, basically, if I could encapsulate the, the troublesome area here, we're going to be talking about Isaac and Ishmael, okay? The sons of uh, Abraham. And I'm going to suggest to you that this is not about Christians and Muslims, okay? Uh, it never was, and... That's basically what I'm going to suggest, okay? And if you feel it was, I'm totally cool with that. I'd love, love to talk about it. I just don't want to offend you by that. I'm going to teach it um, based on what I see in Scripture, okay? So that, that's really what it is. Okay, that's intro one. Uh, the next intro is really uh, your first point in your uh, guide, and it is um, 
the nature of comparison. Okay, the nature of comparison. What is the nature of comparison? It, this is a human nature, is that we tend to judge how we're doing by looking at our neighbor, right? And if we can find some faults with our neighbor, it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. And so it's, that's a really hard nature to overcome because God wants us to compare ourselves with his law or with the character of Christ so that we can see how helpless we are so that we can understand our need for a savior so that he can just give it to us. As that woman in the video said, just undeserved love, you know, that we can actually receive that We can't receive it unless we understand our need for it. We can't really experience that love unless we understand how far it goes. And the only way to do that is to understand our own sin. Jesus said uh, this in Matthew 7, 3 and 5. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? And look, there's a log in your own eye hypocrite first take the log out of your eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye now the more keen among you will say well matt what leeway do i have now that i've removed all the logs from my eye i would suggest that we keep looking for logs in our eye okay the the, the last part there about taking the speck out of your brother's eye there's a place for the church to come alongside and for us to sharpen each other but the point is that we don't ever get to a proper view of ourselves by looking at our brother we look at god's law we look at the bible we look at christ and that's the only comparison that ever needs to be made and if you look at the bible look at christ and what he demands and come to the conclusion i am so unworthy that what does it matter what your brother has done right why does that mean anything to you if you're unworthy that you're less unworthy than them, where's that going to get you, right? And so the nature of comparison is to do that. And um, uh, so uh, I would also suggest this to you as church people. This is my last thing on comparison. Um, The problem with comparison is that we just tend to um, look, if we see another brother's sin, we tend to think their sin is worse than ours. And um, let me give you an example of how this is so backward, right? Um, Let's say you had two brothers in the Lord, and one was struggling with an alcohol problem. You know, they're just poisoning their body. They were drinking alcohol way too much and things like that. The other person, uh, you know, they had an addiction, okay? This other person over here um, was dishonest on their taxes, little dishonest on their taxes, you know. Not all those miles they wrote down were for work purposes, okay? I'm a small business owner. I know all about that, okay? Okay? Now, let me ask you. You got those two brothers, okay? Which sin is more destructive of character? Right? Is it the latter? Is it the second one? I think so, okay? Um, there's sin, I've, I've recognized that the sins of the flesh are the ones that make me feel good when I abstain from. But the sins of the heart where I'm dishonest in my dealings with people are one that all of a sudden I abandon my morals and, and my values. And, and those are the ones that really destroy my character. It's from within, right? Uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff that Jesus talks about um, from the outflow of the heart, right? And, uh, and so I just wanted you... Uh, 
to, to think about those things as we get into this because this will be another one where we kind of look inward, one of these messages where we look inward and uh, get challenged. Um, why are we the Grace Church? It's not just to be nice uh, to people. It's because the less we look at our neighbor's faults, the more, we f- we, the more time we free up to look at our own. <laughs> uh, and uh, um, we're the Grace Church. Not the, I want to just mention this. We're the Grace Church. We're not the liberal church. We do care about sin um, because it robs us of unbridled fellowship with God. And um, so what we're saying when we call ourselves the Grace Church is um, we don't look down on anyone. We look them eye to eye and say, you know what, me too. Maybe not the same thing, but same uh, degree. And uh, me too. Let's join together each Sunday, each week at Life Group. Let's get in discipleship together. Let's sharpen iron, sharpening iron and all of that stuff. That's what it means to be the Grace Church, that we don't look down on anybody. But we're not liberal. We don't, uh, we're working on our sin together. We as humans get it wrong most of the time. We focus on the wrong things. And never is that more true than when it comes to what God wants to know us about his word. Okay, third one, and then we'll begin. And this is just really, um, I've been looking at Genesis. And I think it's important that we remember that this is narrative. This is a story of Abram. And uh, um, uh, I was talking with Tom at, uh, before the message uh, because he, he, he likes to study this stuff beforehand. And he, he almost even uh, um, expressed a little bit of frustration because he was studying a very intellectual look at this Bible. And there's, a, there's room for that, in, you know, into studying this stuff. Um, intellectually, he was going through word studies. Every word had this meaning to it and everything like that. This is what I want to impress upon you. For centuries... How this stuff, especially stuff like the Torah, every book in the Torah was communicated. It was narrative. This was parents telling their children stories. They would tell them the story of Abram, getting his name changed to Abraham, and then they'd sit around. How do you think Abraham felt? How do you think Abram felt? Uh, or wasn't that funny when God said, you know, you're going to have a child at 90 years old, and mom's in the back saying, it doesn't sound funny to me. But you know what I'm saying? But I mean, that's how it was told. It was told like that. That's how God's truth for centuries was communicated. And then we had this age of enlightenment, and all of a sudden we get way more out of it uh, than they ever could because we've got all these word studies and lexicons and the internet and things like that. And you want to know something? I kind of think probably um, because of the way they told this stuff in narrative, um, they probably got more out of it than we did. What do you think? Right? They probably got more of it than we did. So I'm going to try to return to that a bit today. Let's learn from the story, not from the word studies here today. Okay? Uh, having said that, one of the very first things I'm going to do is tell you about a word and what it means. Okay? So Genesis 17 and verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God Almighty. Now, if you were a little Jewish child, you would have heard El Shaddai. I am the God who provides and sustains, okay? And uh, he says, this is how he approaches Abram, okay? I'm going to stop here and just say, let's remember, okay? Abram's getting on in years. He has followed God's plan. As a matter of fact, let's talk about God's plan here real quick before we move on too much more because this is Genesis so far. We're on chapter 17, right? And uh, we started with a man uh, in chapter 1 named Adam. 
and he was given uh, a command to live um, the way God wanted to uh, him to so that he could bless him. And uh, we had the whole story there. And what happened is over a long time, uh, people flourished and there were more people. Uh, the problem is that they really messed up. So right here, there was an event where God says, people are not going my way. Uh, I'm going to start over. This is the one with the boat. So this is my ark. I'll put the boards in and the pitch. Okay. All right. So um, this is uh, people. And, he, and he, so he starts over. And he starts over with one man again. Okay. And this is Noah. So this is just kind of the narrative we've been with. And so God says to Noah, you know, live righteously, uh, seek after my heart, I'll bless you, things like this. And so that happened for a while, okay? And that meant that there were many people again. Um, And this time there was even more than last time. They actually built these great big cities. These are towers, that's not a bar graph. And um, so anyway, there's these great big cities and right around this time, I think, chapter 10, we had... Um, people building stuff. And so this, they built a beautiful wedding cake. (laughs) It is a uh, tower, leaning tower, but this was the tower and so this was Babel, right? And so um, there was this event where God says, this is not working, you're not following me, you're trying to do everything yourself. Um, You need to, this is where God starts to deliver some nuance to it. The problem that you guys always have, the problem that people always have, is you try to do things on your own, and the more you do that, the less you'll depend on me and just trust me, the less happy you'll be because you'll figure out you can't do it on your own. Um, Confuses them, and God basically identifies one more time. He scatters them this time instead of destroying them, but scatters them. He identifies a man, Abram. <clears throat> and basically Abram's path looked like this. Uh, he had some peaks and valleys, but in general, Abram was a man of faith, and we kind of get to where we are here. By this time, people have flourished a little bit, and uh, Abram is at the end of his life, and he is wondering who is going to take over for me. Um, when I'm gone. And he, um, as we talked about last week, um, you know, is given this promise by God that God would deliver him an heir. And what Abram ends up doing is he can't figure out how that's going to happen um, at all. And so uh, his wife actually comes to him. Maybe he had the idea, but he's not going to say it. Uh, Loves his wife. Sarai comes to him and says, uh, this is, uh, I'm getting on in years. This is not going to work. Let's take your handmaiden. We'll get a son. He'll still be mine. I'm cool with it. Let's figure this out because I want this too. Um, And so that's where we are in this chapter. And God's going to um, come and talk to Abram about that. And we're going to talk about it too. So that got me through verse 1 at least. We'll go quicker now. Live in my presence and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you greatly. 
Then Abram fell face down. Pay attention to that. Though God had not delivered on his promise yet, Abram still has respect for God and still treats him as the Almighty. This is why God chose him, right? And God spoke to him and says, As for me, my covenant is with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram, but will be Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Uh, Abraham means a father of a multitude. I read that and I think, you know, what must Abram have been thinking the whole time when he was called exalted father and never had any kids? You know what I mean? Like, is this some kind of cruel joke? I mean, like, it's okay, you're not going to give me what I want? Okay, if I have to be cool with that, do I have to have this for a name? It's like mocking me every time I get out of bed. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I would have felt about that. But he holds on. He says, uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, what... God's answer, by the way, to that is he needed to prepare him first. But anyway, um, for I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. I will make nations and kings come from you. I will keep my covenant between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan as an eternal possession, and I will be their God. And God also said to Abram, As for you, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations are to keep my covenant. This is my covenant, which you are to keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Throughout your generations, every male among you at eight days old is to be circumcised. This includes a slave born in your house and one purchased with money from any foreigner. The one who is not your offspring, a slave born in your house, as well as one purchased with money, must be circumcised. My covenant will be marked in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. If any male is not uncircumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that man will be cut off from his people. He's broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, As for your wife Sarai, don't call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. Tom tells me Sarai meant princess and Sarah meant God's princess. I will bless her indeed. I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she will produce nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. Then he laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Can Sarah, a 99-year-old woman, give birth? So Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael were acceptable to you. But God said, No. Your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his future offspring. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. I will certainly bless him. I'll make him fruitful and will multiply him greatly. He will father 12 tribal leaders and I will make him into a great nation. But I will confirm my covenant with Isaac whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year. So we understand God calls uh, Abram to faith. And perhaps many of you guys know, you know, on some level, you know, what faith, being called to some kind of step of faith really feels like or looks like. And I want to talk to you about what happens when that happens. And if you've ever had been challenged that way and you find yourself this morning, so why didn't it work out? Or it seemed like it was more real then and somehow I went astray. I'm hoping to help uh, you with that because this has really helped me in understanding the times I've gone astray uh, with this as I've read through this. I read the narrative and I understand that, you know, Abram responds the same way I would. God comes to him and says, this is my plan. So here it is. 
And uh, he says, my plan is to bless you greatly through your own son. And Abram says, you know what? That's great. That sounds like an awesome plan. And then he waits and nothing happens. And so naturally, maybe he's thinking, well, God must want me to move, you know. And uh, so this makes a lot of sense. Sometimes God does want us to move. And so they come up with, an, how can this be possible? So they come up with this idea where Abraham or Abram would uh, have a child with Hagar, his handmaiden. And um, this is the second point in your guide. It's the nature of compromise. The nature of compromise. If we can understand the nature of compromise, uh, perhaps God can do more work uh, in our life. Um, I just picture, you know, this, and, and I realize that Abram, he gets there so easily because you ever hear the expression, you can't see the forest for the trees, right? What that means is um, you can't see the big picture because all the details get in the way. I think Abram probably had that problem, but here he actually has the reverse problem. All he sees is the big picture, and he doesn't care about the details. God does care about the details. How we get there matters. The journey actually matters because it will define who we become by the time we get to the end. And so has this ever happened to you? For me, it's like I received like maybe I, I felt like I knew where God wanted me to go. And but along the way, in order to get there, I would do anything to get to the destination that I maybe not in a big way. It's the little ways. I just compromise my morals or my values, right? That's why I was maybe just a little bit dishonest over here. Um, maybe I'm, I've got an angle at where I work or something like that. I'm thinking about parenting, you know, and uh, how often we shortchange ourselves uh, with our kids. Um, I think about how I want my kids to grow up to be a certain character. Do we ever... We, we talk a certain way around them. We don't say certain words around them that we say around other people. Does that sound like integrity? If we're different elsewhere than we are with our kids, all we care about is we want them to become these other people. So when I'm around them, I'm going to act a certain way. Let's trace that back. Why do I do that? Because I understand that I'm their role model. Well, then shouldn't I always be somebody they can look up to? You know, we will so quickly fudge on our morals and values and compromise because we're so focused on the big picture that we think the details don't matter. And that's what Abram uh, found out. He was so focused on that. He wanted that big picture so bad that he would do anything to get it. But what would have happened if he would have gotten it? Right? Would that not have been almost like a little metaphor back here to the birthday cake? Right? Back when... If I let them do this, they'll have no need of me. They wouldn't have recognized that as me doing something. No, no, no. Only if a 90-year-old woman gives birth to a child, and I don't think it was a different time. I think that was as ridiculous as it sounds today. Only if a 90-year-old woman gives birth to a child will they be so committed and know that I gave them this child. Because the next thing I'm going to ask Abraham to do is to march that one child he's been waiting for for a hundred years up a hill and slit his throat and sacrifice him back to me. How does Abraham even get there unless he totally understands that this child 
was absolutely given to me by God. He can take them out at any time. I need to trust. This is the same one who gave, I need to trust God. How does he even get there? God's concerned about the details of how you get where he's calling you because along the way, he's going to change you into the people he needs you to be. Okay, that's why God is concerned about that. And so we have this nature of compromise here. So it bears itself out in this passage when Abram, I won't get face down, but can you imagine he's down if I'm down this low? And so God's talking to him and he's saying like, this is what I'm gonna do to you. And he just goes, and he goes, if you would just listen to reason and accept Ishmael, right? I mean, that's where he gets to. If you would just accept Ishmael, this could actually work, okay? That's, that's where he's at. Not for nothing, but organizationally as a church. Uh, I, I just wrote this down because I was thinking about it. This is why it's important for us as a church um, to make sure um, not saying it's never happened, but ma- to make sure that we don't fudge in our morals and our values um, when it comes to uh, how we conduct ourselves. That's why we try not to ever mess up on grace. Um, I'm sure we do, but that's a big one for us. Uh, I, the weird one I keep thinking of is way back when, when we kept getting requests to do fundraisers with the students. You know, and um, it was never an easy explanation as to why we never did the fundraisers. And all I can tell you is you haven't, like, until you've sat like where I've sat, I can remember these times I was sitting when we had an office at the church, and I get this call. I remember this one call was this, I answer the phone, hello, Lakeside Church. Are y'all a people church or a money church? You know, and it was like one of the weirdest days of my life. It turned out to one of those days. I ended up meeting this guy, and he was very... Um, had a chip on his shoulder. Um, anyway, uh, <clears throat> you know, I care about that stuff. Um, uh, how we look in the community um, as we're here to serve them. Um, we're not just a charitable organization. And, um, you know, our testimony in the community, we feel, um, is important enough that uh, for 1500 bucks that you might raise at a car wash, why don't we just challenge our people to give and raise 1500 bucks for students to, I don't know, have material and, you know, go to conferences and stuff, okay? And so that's why we did that. Multiply that a little more meaningfully into your own life. Where are you potentially compromising on your morals and values and things like that? Where, Where might there just be little steps that you've allowed to, to be taken that are just slightly against who you really want to be? Dishonesty and and in lack of integrity, lack of authenticity, because those are the things that chip away at our character. Psalm 119, 1-5 says this, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for Him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in His paths. You've charged us to keep Your commandments carefully, oh, that my actions would consistently reflect Your decrees. And later in verse 10 says, I've sought You with all my heart. Don't let me wander your commands. I like to use the word wander there. It's because it, it's kind of like, you know, you kind of get bored and you, you know, you're walking through the mall. Let, yesterday I was in Lowe's with my kids and I promised them, hey, I'll buy you a smoothie. Just don't bug me. We have to go return some stuff. And uh, while I was there, 
I just got to, listen, we got this $10 store credit. I need some sandpaper pads. Let's go back there. But uh, Ansley kept grabbing me because I kept stopping and looking at the tools, you know, everywhere. You get what I'm saying? I mean, we see stuff and we get wandering. That's why, that's why it happens with God, metaphorically, figuratively speaking. Thank you for the f- thumbs up, Mark. You know, I know you were talking about the spiritual metaphor, not the tools. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, Colossians 2.8 says this, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. What this is really saying is, whenever you're challenged to compromise in your morals, it's probably actually going to make a lot of sense to you. Intellectually, it's going to make a lot of sense to you the way it made sense to Abram. It's physically impossible for Sarai to have a child... And so, um, but God wants me to have a child, so we know that, number one, it has to be my seed, but that's all he said, and so we can figure this out, okay? And so it makes sense to him. And so uh, that's how he gets off track. So what is it for you? What is that big picture thing that you're so consumed with that uh, you're not so concerned with the details, but they may be the very thing that's chipping away at your character on the inside, okay? Now, thirdly, the nature of covenant. (coughs) Um, so Abram gets, or Abraham now, uh, gets this place of great faith where he trusts God um, to deliver to him a son and Isaac is born. And there's a nature here of this covenant that is not to be missed on, missed on us. I said missed because I was going to say Ishmael. That was funny. Okay, um, so uh, I just want to point out two things here. Uh, Isaac and Ishmael. And I just wanted to, if I can, you know, get on to that part I warned you about this morning. I have some friends on Facebook that talk about Isaac and Ishmael and say the point of this story is for us to understand the root of today's problems. So the root of today's problems are a long time ago, God, you know, established in his word that the seed of Isaac and the seed of Ishmael would be constantly at war through the centuries. And so whenever you see a Middle Eastern country doing whatever today, just know that that's what's going on. We need as Americans to side with Isaac, who is supposed to be Israel. And just for, I could say, Ishmael is Muslims. Or depending on who you're talking to, the Taliban or Al-Qaeda or whatever it is. And that this is what this is and this is what this story is about. Talk about not seeing the forest for the trees. Okay? This is not what this story is about. The story was always about that when you try to accomplish God's calling through human effort, you'll fail every time. And only when you put all of your faith in God's power, will you realize the promise? That's what the story's about. And Paul says this in Galatians 3, 7, and 9. I'm going to read a lot from Galatians over the next couple minutes, okay? So um, some of it's in your guide, this part at least. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. In Galatians 4, this is where Paul gives a great exposition on this story right here. 
And I want you to listen to it and pick out, or read it with me, and pick out what these really represent, because they don't represent Christianity and Muslims or Israel in the Middle East, okay? Galatians 4, 21, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and one by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but the son by the free woman according to the divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively that the woman represents two covenants. One covenant from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. And this is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother for it is written, Be glad, barren woman who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who are never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of the promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh represented the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. So this is Isaac and Israel. This is uh, the free woman, and this is the slave, right? This born according to the flesh, human effort, this born according to the promise, or I would say according to faith, okay? What is, what is this really talk, talking about here? What does Ishmael represent? It represents the Jewish Mosaic law that was powerless to free us, that we would become a slave to. And Paul's whole book of Galatians is about this. And he constantly relates that this being a slave is about the law of Moses, which was powerless, the New Testament tells us, to do anything. And this is about the law of Christ. Or this is about, this is about flesh, this is about human effort, this is about faith. And the whole narrative of Abraham, Abram, Abraham uh, having Isaac and Ishmael is one represents a time when Abraham tried to accomplish God's purpose with his own effort. Just like the law tries to accomplish righteousness using your own effort. And another, when, God, or when Abraham sat back and had faith that God was powerful enough, that God would deliver on his promise. And what I don't want us to do is to miss the narrative of this story that was told to children for centuries that when God calls you to do something, it's time for you to step out in faith. Not just to step out and do something, to step out in terms of risk because you trust that God is going to meet you where you're going. I want to ask you today, what again, one more time, what is it that maybe we're compromising on? What is it that you think maybe you can now look back and say, you know what, this is where I started going off the rails. I have been so focused on the big picture and I have abandoned for the sake of friends and my status at work, my status with my peers. I have compromised my morals for the sake of appearances. Um, I have sacrificed the parenting of my children for convenience. 
And so I don't look weird at Walmart when we talk about how the Halloween thing, by the way, is not a bad, you know, anybody who wants to go and redeem that for Christ is cool with me, okay? We actually carved jack-o'-lanterns on Friday night, um, and uh, Ansley did a nice one with a cross for a nose. Andrew just did a big scary monster. So there's no, that's just our personal family's choice. I hope you guys understand that. But there's other ways, aren't there, where we really do compromise our faith um, for our family so that we can fit in. And uh, I think those are the ways that are eating at our character. And all of a sudden, the light that was in our life that represents the light of Christ is dimmer. So dim, not only can other people not see it, but we can't even detect its presence anymore. And so if that's how you feel, uh, just ask those questions of yourself because that's what I've been asking myself. And man, God has shown me a lot that over the last couple of years, man, I can see the little steps. I, was, I thought I was doing such a great thing for God. You know, I really did. I thought I was moving in his direction. But in order to get there, I was willing to put up with a little bit of a compromise uh, in my morals. And it's uh, produced a character in me that's uh, not becoming of Christ. The good thing is, there's grace. There's always grace. And uh, we forget, like, because of how it turned out, Abraham ended up on top of a mountain after waiting for a son a hundred years. And here he was ready to sacrifice that one son. But let's remember, before he got there, (laughs) he had Ishmael. Okay? So there's hope. If there's hope for Abraham, there's certainly hope. Uh, left and grace left God hasn't run out for us okay and so let's uh, draw near to him uh, today I hope you've enjoyed listening to the Lakeside podcast if you have any questions at all about the message if you have any struggles you're going through or if you simply want to respond to what you've heard we'd love to hear from you go to our website at lakesidelife.org and click on the contact page to let us know what's on your heart we look forward to hearing from you and we'll see you next time